0: It's the Americans with Kim Munson. The most important story.
1: Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses.
0: And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead.
1: Kids are just being bombarded with darkness.
0: It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong. Instead of right versus left. You
1: know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids.
0: Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh-oh, guess what day it is?
2: Guess what day it is? Leslie, guess what today is?
1: It's hump day.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess it's Wednesday, isn't it, Steve? Yes, it is. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks, where we uh, dissect these issues is right versus wrong Instead of right versus left, agree or disagree, we need to be having conversations. And the purpose of this show is to talk about important issues, help you get your brain around it, so that you can talk with your friends and your family in reasonable and calm voices, Uh, because uh, we're in a great battle of ideas today in America, and uh, this is what we need to be doing. I've got a great show planned for you today. Uh, Carl Honaker has a very important piece in Complete Colorado regarding early childhood taxing districts. Uh, This is going to, we're going to talk about this in the second segment. This is a head scratcher to me, so it'll be great to talk with Carl about that. And then in segments uh, three and four, we'll be talking with former State Senator Kevin Lundberg regarding the Gallagher Amendment, uh, TABOR, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, and Amendment 23. There's uh, percolating out there. A couple of things, actually, not percolating with Proposition CC. Uh, that's something that's been referred to the legislature for this uh, November's ballot, to basically uh, say that uh, we—it's asking that we give permission to t- to take away our tax our uh, tax refunds, our ex- uh, over um, a very generous formula of population plus inflation, uh, that we would give those tax refunds away forever. So not only are we speaking for ourselves, but we are taking away the vote and voice of the generations, our children after us, regarding those tax refunds. And so uh, we'll be talking with uh, Senator Kevin Lundberg about that. It's important to remember, you know, when we look at these issues, uh, it's freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And socialism, uh, although it's being romanticized uh, out there in the narrative, and being taught to our kids as something that uh, is good, ultimately, socialism comes to comes down to force. And it is never compassionate to t- take other people's rights, to take their property or their freedom via force, whether it's with a weapon, policy, or unpredictable and excessive taxation. And we are seeing the socialization, the movement in transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And that's why we need to understand what's going on out there. And take a stand for freedom. And so that's why we do this show and want to say thank you to producer Steve, to Zach, Patty, and Keith for the good work that you do. And thank you to each of you that are listening out there. Each of you, you are treasured and you are valued. Uh, So the British Open is going on right now. And I thought, you know, let's get some golfers quotes. And uh, so Jack Nicklaus, the great golfer. He says, Achievement is largely the product of steadily raising one's level of aspiration and expectation. Again, achievement is largely the product of steadily raising one's level of aspiration and expectation. And uh, today's funnies, I, I love this one. I, I heard this a long time ago, but it's a good one. A golfer, a golfer was standing on a tee overlooking a river and then sees a couple of fishermen and says to his golfing partner, Look at those two idiots fishing in the rain.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we have statistics to show how many golfers were struck by lightning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, let's jump into some of the uh, headlines out there.
0: There is so much to talk about. I, um, I, where, where do you start?
1: I, I, I don't know for sure where to start. I'm still, you know, this whole immigration thing, you know, the, uh, the uh, squad Uh, uh, the quad squad, I guess that's who who they are. (laughs) Let's see those four freshmen uh, representatives. These, these women, I think are a product of our, uh, uh, I don't know. I want to say of our public education system. They don't have an appreciation for the American idea. I don't think they understand the American idea. Of course, Ilhan Omar, uh, she is um, um, an immigrant and uh, she can and, – and she's uh, a Muslim. She seems to – actually, did you hear that sound soundbite? Are you the one that gave me that – there was a soundbite that I heard of her yesterday. Maybe it was on the Mike Gallagher show. I think that's what it was, where she was actually, you know, kind of talking about uh, that she was supportive of one of the Muslim organizations, the terrorist or organizations. And, my friends, we have to be really careful about what's what's going on here about the people that we elect – And so these four young freshman congresswomen, uh, you know, did this uh, news conference. And, of course, they're in a tiff with Trump. And, uh, you know, I think he was actually incorrect on a couple of things. I think that he said that they were all immigrants and they're not. Some of them are, you know, uh, children of immigrants. But I think ultimately the bigger picture is, is they are all open borders. They are all, um, you know, really, I would say anti-American. And uh, so this is a big fight that's going on regarding immigration. And Trump is the first president to really understand that. Uh, so let's, let, we're going to go to the national article here. This is one from Fox News. It says the Trump administration announces a major crackdown on asylum seekers. Says the Trump administration on Monday announced a sweeping new policy, this tightening restrictions for asylum uh, seekers in a move that could drastically reduce the number of Central American migrants eligible to enter the United States. In this way, the new rule published in the federal Federal Register would uh, require most migrants entering through America's southern border to first seek asylum in one of the countries that they traversed, whether in Mexico, in Central America, or elsewhere on their journey. In most cases, only if that application is denied would they then be able to seek asylum in the United States. This is sure to ignite a new firestorm over the administration's immigration approach. Uh, The new policy follows the Trump administration's migrant protection protocols, commonly referred to as the Remain in Mexico policy. Under that policy, asylum seekers were often told to go back to Mexico to wait hearings, rather than to be allowed to remain in the U.S. And Democrats rallied against that policy, with 2020 hopefuls Beto O'Rourke calling it inhumane. Now, my friends, uh, first of all, uh, I think that we touched on it yesterday, but somebody is down there organizing these people to to come from Central America. And to come, you know, through Mexico to the southern border. And, uh, you know, I think that we talk about, I talked about the uh, uh, homelessness industrial complex. I, I, I think there's a, a uh, affordable housing industrial complex. And I think that there is probably an immigration attorney industrial complex as well. I mean, there's people down there. There's organizing them. There are attorneys that are representing them. And... We have to ask, why do we have people that are so so supportive of people coming across the border illegally? They go into the shadows. We don't know, even like from a vaccination standpoint, what kind of diseases are coming across. We see this big movement to force people to um, do this big recipe of vaccinations for their kids. And that's a whole other conversation. But yet these same people that are advocating for that are also advocating for people to just come across the border. We don't know anything about them. They go into the shadows. And, uh, and many of the people that might be coming here for a better life are being trafficked. They're being uh, hurt as they're on, the, on their way up here. So there's nothing humane about this. So we have to say, what's, what's, the, um, what's the end game, Steve? What is the end game? I actually think it's about power. I think that 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 uh, Democrats realize that they can't win elections on the, the things that they are pushing forward. Once we see that what what's you know, the actual results of, of their policies, <clears throat> I think people are saying, wait a minute, we don't want that. And so in order to try to win elections, I think that this is all about bringing in people that they think will vote for them. What yep. do you think? No question.
0: It's just, you know, in the, in the recent little thing that we did on vote buying, There's it comes in many different shapes and sizes and, and forms, and this is just another version of vote buying. Uh, certainly, you're, you're going to, if you can get these people somehow <laughs> to cast a, a ballot, even though they really shouldn't be, and you know it's going to be in your favor for all the strings that you pulled to get them here.
1: Right. And, and to that point, you have written an excellent piece. It is on my website about vote buying and uh, vote buying. We thought was illegal, right, Steve? But you made a very compelling case about vote buying here in America. And that is all the promises for free stuff. And so go to my website, americhicks.com and take a look at that. Now, what you know, as I mentioned, I had served on the board of Lutheran Family Services And I, again, you know, I I didn't quite understand totally what was going on, but we did see that there was, you know, there was a growth in asylees, people that were coming to America and they said that they were being um, uh, marginalized, you know, in the countries and and that they were um, possibly in danger in the countries that they were in. You know, and I think that we all all go back to what we knew regarding World War II and the Nazis and, you know, how they were... um, you know exterminating the Jews and so we realized that there were people out there that were in danger and we did you know offer to have them come in as immigrants and asylees and then what happened is is we take these good ideas these things that are well-meaning and then people morph them into something that actually they were never supposed to be and it's uh, typically morphed into something so that they can possibly get more votes more power and there's nothing compassion uh, compassionate at all about doing that so, um Nick, just a couple of other things, and I thought this was really interesting. This is from the New York Post. The appeals court has granted the Trump administration his win, a win to snub sanctuary cities. That says the Trump, administri- uh, Trump administration scored its first judicial win in its long-running battle to punish so-called sanctuary cities for defying federal immigration laws. A three-judge panel on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned a nationwide injunction barring Department of Justice from rewarding cities and counties that cooperate with U.S. immigration and customs enforcement in deportations. Los Angeles officials had sued to stop the DOJ's community-oriented policing services program, saying that it amounted to federal coercion. But in a 2-1 decision, the court found that the Trump administration has a right to reward behavior that it favors. It says, sanctuary cities knowingly release criminal aliens out of their jails and back into our communities instead of cooperating with ICE. White House Press Secretary uh, Stephanie Grisham said, Friday. this ruling reverses a lawless decision that enables sanctuary city policies. Uh, I mean, I think that this is really important. You know, people that want to thumb their nose or, or cities, communities that want to thumb their nose at federal laws on these this immigration laws then they should not be receiving that federal money. So it only makes common sense, and I'm glad that the courts are looking at it that way. We're going to go to break, uh, but before we do, I tell you, the Rockies are having a heck of a time with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the Giants have the Rockies number. They beat the Rockies again last night 8-4. to The final game of that series is this afternoon at 1. And then the Rockies head to New York Friday for an interleague game with the Yankees and then on to Washington for a four-game series with the Nationals. And, you know, the place, it's hot outside, it's the summertime, and Hooters is the place to be this summer. So enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. And uh, love this, nine items for 9 bucks. 11 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. They have nine delicious menu items, such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteaks, and, of course, their boneless wings. So you can get those. You can dine in for that. Uh, but if you want to get Hooters Wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door, go. Uh, you can uh, get more information at HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Carl Honecker has written this very important piece in Complete Colorado about early childhood taxing districts. And uh, it's it's a head-scratcher. So it'll be great to talk to Carl. We'll be right back.
3: All AmeriChicks sponsors are in exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com.
2: Don't miss Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Waters Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxPayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome
1: back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, really uh, excited to have on the line with me Carl Honecker. He has written a very important piece. It is in Complete Colorado. How you can find it is go to completecolorado.com. And they do a great job. They aggregate from um, news sources from all over the state. And uh, we'll have that, all, all those different articles on there. But if you click on the banner at the top, that's where they have original content. And that is where Carl Honecker's piece is. And so, Carl, welcome. Uh, how are you doing this morning?
4: Doing pretty good. Excited to talk about this important topic.
1: Okay, well, let's jump in here. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is
2: that?
4: Well, so there's actually no law in Colorado that prevents um, local governments from um, funding and subsidizing preschool or getting involved in the market in preschool and daycare. So this is kind of surprising out of the blue um, piece of legislation that was passed. Um, it's going to go into effect on August 2nd and it will allow um, local groups to submit proposals to create a taxing district um, kind of similar to how you've got a fire district in your area um, it may not be it may cover your county or more than your county um, it's got a board that's usually elected in around May um, but, The other thing about these tax districts is, of course, um, not everyone receives a ballot, so it's kind of um, hard to hold it accountable. But what the money would be spent on is anything, I guess, education-related from birth through eight years old. Um, And so that's really where it gets concerning, is what the actual effects that this could have on our children.
1: Well, you know... It seems like uh, government is wanting to get take more and more control of our children. Of course, we have, you know, government-run public schools. uh, And, uh, you know, going back, I think that all of us think that educating our children is an important thing. But we've moved away from uh, teaching them about, you know, the the big things of education. You know, why are we here? What are we to do with our lives? You know, give them the tools to be successful to uh, now we're legislating. Uh, you know, sex education curriculum. You know, that's a, a far, far cry from learning Latin to going over here to, uh, uh, you know, a sex education curriculum. But now it looks like that they, they kind, they want to control our kids from from the cradle almost, Carl.
4: <laughs> yeah, and this is actually an agenda. Uh, the term to understand this is really cradle to kindergarten, and so. To put this in perspective, uh, I don't know if you were at the Western Conservative Summit
1: last week. I was on Saturday night.
4: Yeah. So on Friday, um, you probably heard that Governor Polis talked um, in front of everybody. And he mentioned that he funded kindergarten. um, But really, if you look at a TED Talk, he said he believes that actually uh, quality zero through age four education programs we can come closer to ending poverty than anything I've seen is what he's said. So while he has, you know, focused on kindergarten, he wants to fund uh, preschool. We're really talking about from birth. And so that's where this is really concerning because, um, you, you probably know that when it comes to the really early years, uh, children need time with their parents. Yes. And, um, It's not wrong to send your kids to daycare. Every parent needs to decide what the best arrangement is for their child. But what this is really trying to do is trying to push an agenda of we want parents to make the choice of putting their kids into daycare. And So we're going to create a system with um, millions of dollars of taxes to push parents to put their kids into daycare. And the problem is, is that the claims that are being made is that This will, you know, like Paul said, in poverty, you'll do all kinds of things. Every dollar you invest will reap rewards of like $13, what we've seen $7. Um,
1: They don't know. That's a bunch of malarkey. (laughs) It is just a bunch (laughs) of malarkey. You know, I remember when I was on city councils and I was sitting in something, it was, you know, some big meeting. And I think it was on, on culture or something. Uh, and uh, they said, for every dollar that we invest, you know, you you know, we get $4 back. And I'm thinking, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And and I realize that's a narrative they put out there. So he's saying, for every dollar you invest, you're going to get $13 back. Unbe- it's a mar- malarkey. I just had to say that. So
4: <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the expensive parts of it, actually, are the fact that um, the exact opposite is really going to happen when it comes to, the benefits to the children and the parents. Um, Studies, so really the only comparable studies that we can find that are high quality are studies of Canada, um, specifically Quebec. And so Quebec did this subsidizing daycare and preschool. Um, It's been extremely effective in that 58% of all children are in a subsidized childcare situation in Quebec. But unfortunately what they found was that families became more stressed as they became involved in the subsidized program. Uh, Physical aggression increased in children, emotional anxiety, and it even increased um, the chance of children being convicted of a crime or being likely to commit a drug crime. Their health and life satisfaction were worse, and so this is where it's really concerning it's not just about we don't want to pay higher taxes. It's about what kind of effect it's going to have later on in life on kids sitting in classrooms and their effect on the relationship with teachers, with parents, on just life um, if they're more likely to be convicted of a crime.
1: Well, it is really important in those early years for parents to, and children to be together as much as possible. And, you know, and, and because life is so expensive out there, you know, many families feel compelled that, that, that uh, you know, they have both the mother and father working. But I see creative things going on. You know, people are trying, it might be a blend of, of a family and daycare or a family and, you know, sharing uh, with other people or whatever. People are creative and they will figure it out. You know, Carl Honecker, the thing that the, the big picture thing that I just honestly could not figure out here is uh, these people such as Polis, you know, they they uh, opine and they're trying to imply that they care so much about children and uh, that we want to make sure that they get ahead and that, that we give them the tools to do that. However, if you look at the results of the number of kids that we graduate in four years in in uh, Colorado from high school, the numbers are dismal. And if you look at, uh, you know, the reading and writing and arithmetic, you know, we are actually going down in our achievements on that. So that seems to me to be something that maybe they might want to be working on that instead of taking a look at these little kids. But this is a this is just this is the head scratcher for me, Carl, as all these these progressive Democrats that say that they care about children when it comes to abortion. They're proponents of that. And so you're telling me you, you, you care so much about kids here, but you don't care about them in there. I, I'm just really concerned because I don't believe that they really care about kids. I think this is about power. I think it's about getting a hold of our kids. Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, we're just about out of time, Carl.
4: Yeah, well, that's the thing about these special districts and why we need to oppose them is it gives people positions of power um, to maybe go to the next level in government to really run – what they think is best for your choices for your children. And so that's why I want to oppose the creation of this, of these. They're going to start popping up around the state on your ballot. Um, if you go to the Colorado Union of Taxpayers website, okay. just Google Colorado Union of Taxpayers, reach out to us, say, hey, I'm concerned about these. I want to be made aware of when it comes up. Then we can speak out our local city councils, um, local county commissioners, oppose these, speak the truth so that we can say, we don't want to politicize daycare. We don't want politics and child care. Um, parents know best, and we really don't want to make this a political issue.
1: Uh, so, thank you, And you know yeah. what? Thank you, Carl, for being out in front of this. Normally what happens is, is this stuff comes down, and we were hit like a freight train. We didn't even know what was coming. And so thank exactly. you for be, being out in front of this. And so go to the Complete Colorado Click on the banner at the top and then your piece was uh, published on July 14th and it's titled Early Childhood Taxing Districts is just subsidized daycare by another name. Carl, thank you so much. And please, um, you know, keep me in mind when we when we need to have a conversation about something on this. Reach out to me. I'll try to watch for you. But but to just shoot me a text if there's something that we need to make sure that people know about.
4: Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, Jason McBride, (laughs) uh, uh, we're going to be talking about Tabor uh, with um, uh, Senator Lundberg here in segments three and four. And Colorado has uh, a relatively a low tax rate right now, and you kind of like it?
5: Well, I like it better than a high tax rate, (laughs) and I'm sure Senator Lundberg will mention that as part of Tabor, uh you know they as you always say Kim they're they're required to ask us or put it to a vote uh not only to spend the surplus and not send it back to us but they have to ask us if it's okay to raise the state income tax rate as well and if they get rid of Tabor then you know it's going to make it easier for them to just raise that rate but you're you're right Kim now there's seven states in the country that don't have a state income tax at all, but of the ones that do, Colorado's pretty low. We're at about 4.63%, which is our state income tax rate. Uh, That might sound like a lot, but when you think about it, look at other states. California's top state rate is 13% and change. Uh, You've got New Jersey almost 9%. Hawaii, 11%, uh, Minnesota, Oregon, almost 10. I mean, you can go down the list and, uh, New York's, uh, high eights. So these are states that are suffering and, and if having those, uh, higher state tax rates was so useful, why are these the states whose budgets are still completely screwed up? While well, ours, at least for the time being, seems to be somewhat in check.
1: Well, and you know, uh, with the governor Hickenlooper out there making a run for for um, president at this particular point in time, and and touting the the good economy here in in Colorado, I submit to you that one of the reasons is because of Tabor, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, because it has basically said to politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, hey. As you mentioned, if you want to raise our taxes, if you want to incur debt, or if you want to keep our tax refunds above a certain um, very generous formula of uh, of uh, po- um, population plus inflation, you just have to ask us. And, man, they don't want to ask us because they can't make the case. If they cannot make a compelling case on why they want to do those three things then the answer should be no. And it keeps government in check. And that's one of the reasons why I think Colorado has done pretty well economically. And then when uh, when we had that last recession, Colorado didn't get hit as much as some of these other states like you just mentioned. And so it is so important that we try to keep that tax rate low. But as we grow the economy, the pie gets bigger. And uh, actually tax revenues get higher because there's a bigger pie. But somehow um, progressive uh left leaning uh leftist democrats they don't understand that jason
5: well they 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 do all their projections assuming that if they raise tax rates the uh, number of people contributing to the pie will stay the same uh, and that's not human nature uh, if you feel like your business or your your personal uh, the economy or your income might do better somewhere else in a lower tax situation. Uh, you'll go find another pie, you know, to contribute to. So, uh, you know, for every action, there's an uh, equal and opposite reaction. Uh, you raise up the state taxes and then you may have people and businesses that say, well, I'm going to go elsewhere and end up with less revenue.
1: Well, and you're seeing that you're seeing people move away from New Jersey, New York. California, Illinois. And so it's very important that we protect that. That's why we have these conversations. So Jason McBride, thank you so much. And and if you want to talk about your personal economy, I mean, that's what really matters. Uh, talk to Jason McBride and his colleagues over at Presidential Wealth Management, and you can get more information and in all your podcasts, all kinds of great information at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Jason, we'll talk to you tomorrow.
5: Have a great show, Kim.
1: Well, thanks so much. And we uh, I, I can't wait to jump into this with uh, Senator Kevin Lundberg. Uh, there's going to there's this big conversation that's kind of brewing out there in a, in Colorado regarding uh, TABOR, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, the Gallagher Amendment and uh, Amendment 23. And uh, they're somewhat complicated. And so we are going to continue to talk about them, break them down so that you understand them. Because this whole conversation is making it really complicated because what happens is politicians, bureaucrats and interested parties want to put more, want to put their hand in in your wallet and get more of your money. So we'll be right back.
5: Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free Always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news.
2: You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over thirty years, entrepreneur stylist and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back
1: to the americhicks with Kim Munson where we dissect issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I am thrilled to have a conversation with former state senator Kevin Lundberg. He was a member of the Joint Budget Committee, so he uh, he is a go-to guy to try to understand uh, some of these things that they're percolating out there, Senator Kevin Lundberg. Uh, that uh, I think that I think there's going to be a real assault to try to get rid of Tabor, the taxpayer Bill of Rights. So thank you for joining us this morning.
3: Well, I'm very glad to be with you and and Kim, I think you summed it up very, very well in your little teaser before that uh, break, which says that politicians are looking to get their hand in your pocket for more <laughs> of your money for what they want, because yeah, you know, we've got Gallagher, which is a limitation on uh, property taxes, and it, it's kind of a complicated. Well, it's not really complicated, but it complicates things. Uh, in that Gallagher says that there should always be a balance in the total amount of money collected between commercial property and and residential property, and it sets it at a 45 percent residential, 55 percent commercial property levels. So, uh, um. What this, in essence, does is, as more and more residential pro- properties are built, more houses are built in Colorado, um, that 45% of the total property taxes collected is spread thinner and thinner. And that lowers uh, the, uh, the the tax rate on the, um, well, doesn't lower the taxes, understand, because, the, you know, well, with new bond programs and everything else, uh, they figure out ways to you know, to keep collecting a lot of money. But but the relative amount uh, continues to go down in, in what they call the, the assessed valuation. So your house is assessed for, let's say, $200,000 worth of value. But the assessment uh, for the tax bill is only against about 7% of that, mm-hmm. $14,000. Um, whereas with commercial property, it's at 29.5%, which is like four times over four times as much uh so when they talk about uh getting rid of gallagher you know they'll point to the excessive amount of tax for commercial property but be very careful because rarely will they ever talk about lowering that rate they'll talk about raising your residential rate so that's gallagher
1: okay now a couple of things
3: you, you drive it from there
1: okay So, first of all, with the Gallagher Amendment, uh, and I'll tell you, last night, uh, I'm working to try to get through all of these things, and I thought I could just Google Mm -hmm. Colorado Gallagher Amendment, and I could get the actual language. I I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find it, and it was the same with Tabor and Ref C and Amendment 23. So, Patty went to work on it, and uh, I have the actual taxpayer's. Bill of Rights language here, and I've got the ballot question on mm-hmm. referendum C and the brief overview from the Colorado General Assembly on uh, Amendment 23. But I found, actually, Senator Lumberg, I, I'd like to have the, the real thing right here in front of me, so, so I don't have Gallagher yet. But the first thing is is that that constitutional amendment that says that commercial pays – Fifty-five uh, percent of the uh, property tax and residential pays forty-five percent. That hasn't changed, right? Commercial still doing fifty-five, residential still forty-five,
3: right? Uh, it, essentially, yes. And and as I say, what what that is is initially they locked it in at twenty-nine point five percent, and then residential as more and more houses are built. Uh, the assessed value dropped, and now we have this huge disparity. Yeah.
1: Okay. So the disparity is the thing that politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties are using to um, to try to to they really want to change Gallagher, but I think that ultimately they want to get rid of Tabor is we, where we might be headed. But so I, I still want to break oh, yeah. Yeah. want to break this out now on commercial property as as we get more and more commercial property. Uh, that, in effect, also would bring down the the actual tax bill of the person that owns the commercial property, correct? If you were having more and more commercial property, come on.
3: Not really, okay. because it's locked at the assessed valuation of 29.5. I understand that there are a lot of other factors when it comes to property taxes. Property taxes are collected locally for local Taxing districts, it doesn't directly go to the state's general fund. That they're only uh, affected because <clears throat> the general fund backfills um, the school districts for a guaranteed amount of per pupil funding. And and uh, and so when when local property tax collections go up, then the state has less dollars that they have to uh, uh, backfill with. And that's where it kind of interfaces with the Tabor thing. But but i I bring this in to say that every time uh, uh, you vote on a bond um, measure in any local taxing district you're in, like a school district or a, or a, you know a, a sewage control district or, or a fire district or a library district, that's added to your property tax, and all of those things kind of compound it to to make sure that that a whole lot of dollars are collected and and i I like to boil it down to this. When I'm in, in a crowd, I, I say, how many people think their property tax bill for their house is too low? <laughs> I get very few takers. Uh-huh. And, and that's kind of the bottom line. Um, if property tax is at a level that it's virtually char- rent being charged on your own property from the state, I say that's high enough. And any change I want to see to, to uh, Gallagher, would not raise the rates, but that's what they always do. If, if even for a little incremental bit, they just cannot resist saying, and we're going to raise your property tax. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. I've tried to find solutions for Gallagher by just finding other dollars to backfill the commercial side.
1: Well, you know what I was thinking, because I've been thinking a lot about this while I was thinking about the conversation that we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Something that people don't understand out there is not only do businesses pay property tax on that building, but they also have something called business personal property tax. And so what that means is that little mom and pop. Yeah. yeah uh,
3: on on all of their equipment.
1: Yeah. They're on their, oh. their uh, ovens and on their chairs and on their tables. So if, in yeah. fact, these politicians and bureaucrats or interest parties are so concerned about the tax burden of commercial property, which that's kind of what they're implying, um, how about mm-hmm. maybe we get rid of that business personal property tax? That would be a way to give commercial businesses tax relief.
3: Well, <clears throat> that is so, and particularly the small businesses. Um, yeah, I mean, it affects all businesses, believe me, but, but the, the you know the person who gets into business and goes out and buys their tools and everything else, and then realizes, wait, I'm, I've got to continually pay a tax on this this equipment that I bought, and I paid sales tax right. on it, but I, I get to you know get taxed again and again and again. Um, that's that's another problem. Now there has been some relief. Uh, it was actually uh, former Senator Mark Sheffel who really took that on when he got in the legislature. The ber- business personal property tax, and, and others have it as well. And what they've done is is, is they've made a, a a lower standard. So if you've only got I, I don't know what the number is, I think about ten thousand dollars worth of equipment, then you're not subject to that tax. But <clears throat> um, uh, but you're right, business personal property tax is somewhat unique to Colorado. Not, an, I'm not. If uh, if any other states have it, it's very few, uh, and it really comes to bite uh, businesses. Um, the CEO for Kodak once commented that had Kodak really understood the business personal property tax in Colorado, they would have never come to the state, and that actually keeps uh, a lot of uh, industry out of Colorado because they're all taxed on all their equipment at a pretty high rate.
1: Well, and to that point, uh, it goes over to economic development, which, uh, you know, under the name of economic development, you know, the state has an economic development um, um, uh, office, I guess it is, and many of the counties do, many of the states. And so basically what they do is they say, hey, we're going to bring in jobs, we're going to bring in these businesses, this will be good because we'll bring in more jobs, businesses, It'll you know, keep uh, uh, property values up. But in essence, and so they make deals, and they typically make deals with the big guys. And sometimes they give them a break on their business personal property tax, while the little guy over there, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, you know, just just doing, you know, making the pizzas and, and have their own little business. They're probably working 14, 16 hours a day. They're supporting their community. Yep. And so then you see the big guys are getting breaks on this, which, you know, in America, everybody is supposed to be equal under the law. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't.
3: Yeah, way, you've got a great point and man, we could spend an entire program on that aspect as well. That that kicks in with what's called tax increment financing where a lot of development projects will uh, will get to keep a lot of the taxes they collect uh, or The taxes they would have paid in property taxes for the development of the project, and and this sometimes amounts to hundreds of millions of dollars for a single project, and and yeah, go on and on. I I feel like I'm leaving the rest of it behind, though it it, it does get complicated. If I could boil it down to simply say, whenever there is a discussion on changing Gallagher, make sure that what they're really intending on doing is giving tax relief, not we're, and we're going to raise your taxes a little bit. You know, it's, it's kind of like you know when the state back in the Roy, Roy Romer governor days, um, the the state um, went to a flat tax, and I was rather surprised that the Democrats like Romer went along with it. Well, years later, figured out that that's because when we went from a graduated income tax to a flat tax, they they changed it so that they were collecting about ten percent more. Income tax.
1: Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> But at least, but the,
3: so they were quite willing to go along with that.
1: Yeah, but but the great thing about it is, and as Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management said before we went to break, that this is a relatively low tax rate, and uh, in order to increase that, Tabor stands in the way, and that's one of the reasons why I think there's an assault on Tabor. So, Senator Lundberg, let's go to break. We I think we could continue with Gallagher, but I think you really finally got it for me. When we have this conversation, are you going to be working towards tax relief? For our commercial properties, or are you trying to raise taxes on individual property owners? And again, yes. that's such that. Thank you for getting that boiled down. We still want to get through just kind of an overview of, of Tabor. We talk a lot about Tabor, taxpayers' bill of rights, but referendum C and Amendment Twenty Three as well. So we're going to go to break. We'll uh, this will be kind of like speed issues here when we come back. But we'll be right back with Senator Kevin Lumberg
2: award-winning realtor karen levine has 30 years of experience with remax alliance as a director with the national association of realtors karen levine works to protect your private property rights karen levine believes in home ownership since losing her mother to breast cancer karen levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called karen's for the cure raising money for breast cancer research Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516.
4: Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 12th through Thursday, July 18th. Features will include Toy Story 4, Men in Black International, and Godzilla. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks.
5: Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate.
0: For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhix.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree, let's have a conversation having a really important conversation with former state senator Kevin Lundberg he was on the joint budget committee and so he's he's a go-to guy he understands these issues i i don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. I, I That's just kind of a pet peeve of mine. It shouldn't happen. I mean, my gosh, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are, are just in a little booklet. So I don't think we should have <laughs> things that people can't understand. But uh, that's a different point. Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, we talk about that a lot. We've got a lot of uh, opinion pieces on my website written by different people about it. But just very quickly, uh, just touch on uh, Tabor just a little bit, Senator Lumberg.
3: Well, yeah, it was uh, passed back in 92, so it's been in place for a good long while. It does two major things. It limits how much money the state can keep, uh, and uh, and then if they collect more in revenue, they're supposed to return it to the people. And number two, there's a requirement that for any tax increase or long-term debt increase, you have to go to the people for a vote, and that's either for statewide or for Individual districts, um, and that could be a school district, a county, uh, you know, any any jurisdiction within the state. Those are the two main elements to Tabor, um, and the uh, uh, now a lot of local districts and Tabor does allow this. Allows a, a district to go to the people and say, "Can we? <clears throat> excuse me, can we keep the money anyway?" Um, Will you give us uh, uh, the ability to what they generally call debusing or uh, de taboring Is what the author Douglas Bruce would prefer to call it? Um, and uh, and now the legislature has put a question before the people statewide: Can we just get rid of this whole thing of uh, of, um, uh, of
1: having to give you your money back? Money we can collect.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. And so that's called Proposition CC, and it's on the November ballot for this year. And it 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 says, without raising taxes, we're going to raise, you know, can we have more money for schools and for transportation? It sounds so rosy, but it ought to say, by raising your uh, effective tax rate, because that's what it does mm-hmm. if it, if it uh, says they'll never return any, any of the uh, excess. Oh, and the excess is limited to the uh, the, the spending is, is limited to... Uh, what you spent last year plus population growth plus inflation growth <clears throat> so it's so pretty it's, generous it's meant to well it's meant to help government keep up with the pace of inflation and the number of people out there what it doesn't account for is the um, growth in the economy if the economy booms more and more now government becomes a smaller and smaller part or, of which the I like. economy but that's a <laughs> yeah that's a good thing you know, they say this is a bad thing. Government needs to grow as much as the economy. No, it doesn't. It needs to grow as much as the, the, the current services rendered to the public on a per capita basis are. And and if you do more than that, you really like big governments and you like to put more programs in place and you think liberty is not as important as the convenience of government services. Boy, could I say a lot about that's a bad idea. And
1: that's a, that's, that's
3: a, what people... Yep. So if somebody says we've got to change Tabor, what they're really saying to you is I want more of your money for our government programs because we think we know how to run your life better than you do.
1: And uh, most people, if you ask them, they say, no, I don't think I agree with that. And uh, that's why they don't want to ask us. Now, one note on the debruising right. or the detaboring of all these uh, mm-hmm. you know, local mm-hmm. districts. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. It wasn't that they came to people and it was just one ballot question that says, hey, can we keep this excess revenue? Typically what they would do is, uh, for example, I saw this on uh, our local park and rec district. They were asking for for a tax increase. But in that language, uh, deep into the ballot question, there was that detabering, if you will. And I thought, this is pretty stinky. You know what? You've just snuck it in there. People may not be reading it. They may not understand it. They're trusting that they think that they're voting on that top-line question. And then deep, deep mm-hmm. in there is this question, and can we keep your your tax refunds? And so I vote no. You're... When I ever see that, I always vote no. Yeah.
3: You have an excellent point there, and and I remember up here in Larimer County at one point that, you know, a commissioner came to me who was supposedly conservative and said, you know, we've just got to have some more money to address this issue and this issue, and so we're going to go to the board of people. And I said, well, I could maybe support that except for the fact that you're not just doing that. You're saying, can we keep it forever? Yes. You know, and – and just take it away, uh, I think that's a flaw within Tabor. Tabor should have said very specifically, if you need more money for a specific project, then you can go to the people and say, "Well, can we have an exception to this rule but instead, the way it's worded they've've they've they they've, uh, they've, you know put it together in such a way that that those spending limitations just go away, and we had uh, in at the state level they had uh, referendum C about it ten years ago mm-hmm. or so
1: mm-hmm.
3: That well, well, like a dozen years ago, two thousand five. Uh,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. That that said, uh, uh, can we take a five-year time out from the spending limitations? Now they didn't tell you that within that was this, and we're going to increase the base so we can collect a billion more dollars from you than we would have without it, forever. Mm-hmm. And now. CC, Proposition CC says, and by the way, let's just forget about these spending limitations entirely. We're just going to keep the money forever.
1: Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, CC's cousin of referendum C. So very quickly, the other thing that is out there when they're having these conversations is Amendment 23. And uh, this, uh, let's see, Amendment 23, I have a overview of uh, February 2001, but you were the first one that really explained to me, because I've heard Amendment 23 all the time, you said, it was for 10 years. And I'm looking at it, and it yeah. says it was for 10 years. <laughs> so why are we even right. talking about uh,
3: uh, it? Well, um, it has some provisions that, that continue on, but they're, they are the ones that have the real teeth to it. So when they throw out, oh, it's so complicated, we've got Gallagher and 23 and Taper, and I'm like, okay, but let's clear the deck here because 23 really isn't a factor. 23 requires that per-pupil funding for public schools increase by inflation. And that's it. it. It was inflation plus 1%, which was the real budget buster for 10 years. But, uh, and it, it set up the state education fund and a few other things that, that are really fairly benign as far as how it affects. It did have an end around Tabor. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get into all the details, but, but the real teeth of 23 is done it it is no longer raising per pupil funding at a inflation plus one percent level Uh, and so i think they're just they're just throwing some fog into the discussion or they don't understand it and don't put it past any politician for having not understood it fully i i was amazed i mean i went several years hearing all this discussion and debate about 23 and thinking, oh, you know, wringing my hands on this problem, that problem. Finally, I sat down and read it. It's about three pages long. And it takes careful, careful reading. But I looked at it and I thought, okay, here's the problem, but the others aren't really a problem. So let's stop making it a big bugaboo. You know, and, and let's let's admit Gallagher has this disparity that's put in place. Okay. But Tabor is the one that is the real gem and i use that in a very real sense of of our constitution because it was the first state to say we're going to put some strict limits on how fast the the uh, government can grow on their own and uh that means the legislature and the governor yes we elect them but once we elect them they just had carte blanche to do what they wanted until Tabor came along and said, whoa, no, 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 you've got to live within your means, and your means are what you've been doing last year.
1: Right. Um, And just one other note, I think we need to get you back and talk about some of these other things. They've been doing in runs around Tabor, which has been disingenuous by uh, redefining fees, uh, taxes as fees, and a variety of things. But we are just about out of time. Senator Lundberg, uh, final thought for our listeners this morning.
3: I'm going to go back to what you said originally, and that is whenever you hear this discussion from the uh, political establishment, listen very carefully to do they want more of their money, or are they really trying to set something up that balances it a little bit more? Because there are some weird wrinkles in it, but, but if, they, if they say, and then we're going to raise taxes, or if then that's what they're going to do, don't let them
1: do it. Well, that's for sure. So, Senator uh, Kevin Lundberg, thank you so much, Uh, and we're going to continue this discussion because they're ramping up, and ultimately, what's in the crosshairs is uh, what's left of Tabor so far. That's the Colorado Taxpayers Bill of Rights, and we need to stand. And on that note, uh, thank you, Senator Lundberg. Um, um, Natalie Minton has uh, put together a Tabor Boot Camp, and for more information, go to that. It's at coloradoengage.com. The boot camp is going to be on August 3rd from 11 to 2 at the Lakewood Library, so be sure and check that out. That is coloradoengage.com. And today, our quote is Jack Nicholas. He says, "'Confidence is believing in your own ability, knowing what you have to do to win. My confidence was developed through preparation.'" So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.